void, 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 Yo, so it's time for the show. Who do we have as our number one caller? Who's caller number one? Bet. Let me in. Let me in, Adam. I got a bone to pick because I don't want to pick. I don't know if you're doing a bit. Like, I don't know if this is a joke. What is a bit? I'm, a bit is like a joke or like a you're like acting out like a joke like a sequence yeah, like a kayfabe like a sure. uh, like a performance art so when you're like i'm making mainstream pop shit uh-huh is that like a self-aware like this is like i know this is weird but it's like more mainstream right, or what do you consider to be the the most non-mainstream elements of my music your shit sounds like if like 100 gex just like didn't know how to vocal layer and they Don't just, you like, think went, of one of the guys pop music, though? Not like, really. They're kind of... So I'll admit, I mean, hyperpop is, like, the name of their genre. So, like, right. they're kind of onto something with that. But <laughs> you think the average person is going to hear 100 Gex and be like, yeah, this is awesome. It it's depends awesome. on the person, I guess, because, like, it is kind of gay. Like, I... I mean, it, it's hyper gay. <laughs> there's a couple songs on the album that I don't like because they give me brony PTSD because uh, they sound like, you know, like some... 3 a.m. dance remix, like uh, BronyCon Rave stuff. They're channeling like, the nightcore aesthetic is what they're doing. But what impresses me the most about 100 Gex is that they have Stupid Horse, I Just Fell Out of the Porsche, Lots of Money in My Bank Account, Oh No, and Big Bucks Coming with the Big Trucks Feels So Clean Like a Money Machine. Hey, you little piss baby. You look, do you think you're so cool, huh? You think you're so That intro sucks, up? You got a lot of big that game for someone with such a small truck. Come on, no, that intro is great. The song is good. The hook whips, but the fucking intro is bad. She I says, it. Your arms look like cigarettes. I bet I could smoke you. Yeah, that's I could boring. roast you. And then you'd call me up and I would fucking ghost you. The problem that is, is the that lyric of sound... like the year to me. Like, as a she ghoster just... myself, I also <laughs> wrote a song about ghosting. So, when you're yeah. making this stuff, who is the demographic in mind? Yeah, I want to know the answer to that question too. That's Who do you picture listening? Question. Who are you trying to reach out to with this? I have never been able to envision the audience for my music other than the people who have come up to me and told me they like it. That's the thing is that that's the and audience that you're making music for. They're not mainstream listeners. No. Um, I don't know what, like, I don't know what the difference is, though, between what I make and what mainstream listeners will listen to other than that's... that they haven't heard it. I like, think because I listen to the radio a lot. Like mm-hmm. I mostly, weirdly enough, I almost exclusively listen to the radio these days because and there's six channels that have music I listen to. There's like three alternative rock channels, um, a couple of old oh, school God. rock channels, and 2021. Two, we got alt uh, rock going. The one of the alt rock stations plays like Billie Eilish. That's as what? like as like the most pop thing that it would play, but still. Considered I mean, that's within like, the realm of what they will consider rock music, I guess. They'll play Old Town Road as well. Uh, but, where but like, is the alt-rock there? That's like rap and modern Yeah, pop. well, I mean, everything that they play that's old is alt-rock. You know, like it goes uh-huh. back through the 90s. So you'll hear Third Eye Blind. That's, so it's just pop music, know. right? Like, well, all of that is well, pop. All, all, all rock pop was pop. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that's still on the radio after five... So 10, that's what you mean by pop is, is radio type music. Like music yeah. you could hear right, on the so, radio. Right, exactly. Because like, I have the same nitpicky problems with you calling stuff pop. Where I'm like, well, this isn't... It's just this isn't Billie Eilish, so it's I not guess pop. I guess it's that to me, um, the scale of being heard by anyone right. at all is like that is super mainstream to me. Like, because mm-hmm. the kind of sh- like if you if you have a song, one song on the radio ever, you're playing like the biggest concert venue. But you know, okay. you've made you've made popular shit before, is what I find confounding. About yeah, like Gay and Dead is pop. Gay and Dead Fucking, is meant to be all uh, pop songs. As well. Bad and that Dangerous is, is a pop song. Yeah, yeah, I is. agree. But it's a little it also, abrasive, but it's, it's pop. The new stuff you make is a lot weirder. I mean, when when Fat and Dangerous Fat came Dangerous. out, everybody complained about the fact that the bass is clipped. Like, I mean, yeah, well, but you did that on purpose. 
Yeah, they're swine. I do. I, I you do can ignore those people. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, because I'm, I'm friends with Shade, and we like play games sometimes. And that guy told me that he handed you that beat, and then you just like put it in Audacity and just put like a filter to compress it. it. Yeah, just straight. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, hey, that's a cool beat, but the the you. baseline sounded like something from a Godzilla song, um, but it was so quiet that it didn't sound like Godzilla. So I just turned it up to Godzilla volume and then screamed over it. It's really uneven. Like I I'm missing notes a lot of the I mean, time, sure. singing it differently, and like that is to me more preventative of it being pop. Is like but that. It the, sounds flubbed. You know what I mean. So it is a bit rugged and you know thrown together. But what it sounds like is somebody who has an ear for pop music, like threw together a song with the skills they had, and it's like pretty good. There's potential there, but it's like if you had somebody who could like help you polish it, this would be a pop song. Whereas like you're thrown together, shit, man. Like as in like I am not a pro like mixer and masterer. I don't make music for a living. I'm like making music because I have some knowledge of it and it sounds like fun and I think I could. Okay, do yeah, job. so amateur. Okay. Yeah. Um, in the instance of the new shit, I feel like it's like I, I I almost don't even hear your ear for pop. Like I don't know what you're even taking influence from. Like in pop, when you're like, oh, this is pop. I'm gonna make pop and I'm gonna like use my understanding of it to make a song. Right. I don't even know what your point of reference is. The biggest difference between gay and dead and the stuff I'm that you're considering like my current stuff is I'm producing this stuff that I'm putting out right now. Uh-huh. I didn't produce anything on gay and dead. I just sang on it. So Shade has a great ear for pop he in does. that he created that beat and I had oh, okay. some catchy lyrics for it. Like, you know, uh But you can write a pop beat is my point. You you kind of know how to do it. I don't what well what's an example of a pop beat you think I have made? Uh that you've made, I have no idea. Well, okay. So is it more the vocals that you think is not sounding pop on these new songs? I I think it's that you don't know how to ride your own beats. Okay. That's interesting. That's what it sounds like. Because like or or the fucking uh that the the blackout curtain song, that's like your best song in my opinion. That's just an Animal Crossing song. I don't know if this is unconscious, but like, you know, a year or two ago or whenever you dropped it, probably two years ago, I felt like Mm -hmm. that voice suited what you were doing, it made more sense than like, I mean, your normal voice. I mean, it probably would. I, I probably should use more songs with that voice. It sounds like a, I used to only rise and the sun goes down, then I blacked out all my curtains, and now That's I'm on where they yeah. begin and end. I, yeah, You're like, like playing a character, right? So you have like this like total aesthetic and personality to lean into that you don't have to figure out how to perform. So that it sounds sense. more I mean, yeah, like, I, solid. I, it took me, I had to really develop that specific voice for that character based on what I wanted her personality to be. That like, no, It's going to be like a visual novel, isn't it? Or something like that? Yeah. The character's name is Rosetta Blackwood. So she, her name online is Black Rose. And then she makes like video game mashup songs where like she just like adds beats to video game music or slam jams and stuff like that. Kind of like a triple Q channel. And I was going to see if I could grow a channel like that independently of ever announcing it, which it actually, those videos that are on there have a couple hundred views, and, and I've never promoted them. So it, it was working. I just had to keep doing it. I think Goldie's great at making pop music when she's not calling it pop music. I don't I, know why, but you I think whenever example? you try to make like so, pop music, so, you fuck okay. up. I will say that... Your it, rap is really pop. When you asked me if it was a bit, on some level, there is a bit element to it. Because like, each of these pop songs that... I, the, the There's three songs I've released that I explicitly was like... This is me making a pop song. Uh-huh. Um, the first of these was The Good Girl, um, which is a parody of, like, I've wanted for a long time to make a song called Good Girl in reference to Billie Eilish's Bad Guy, because I think it's funny for a trans girl to be the good girl to Billie Eilish's Bad Guy. I, I had that idea locked for, like, I have to use this for a mega pop song. Well, all the pop songs that I've been hearing lately out of, like, uh, or all of my favorite pop songs, such as, like, Black Parade by Beyonce, um, mm-hmm. use a chord progression very similar to that of the song In Loving Memory by Chester Lockhart. So because of that, I just okay. took a segment of the song In Loving Memory by Chester Lockhart, looped it, and sang over it, and was like, pop song, because this is the sound that pop songs sound like and then i fucked with it at parts to make it sound glitchy and cool um but then it's not pop it's glitchy that, that's and what cool. i'm saying i it's felt like when you tweeted, but, but that's like the solo you know it's not like pop doesn't have a glitchy cool solo <laughs> it, it can but rock so, music uh, does and i consider I feel... like rock to be pop music like i just think about like lincoln park 
like Hybrid Theory is was the album I grew up listening to the most. Sure. And that's, that's a like poppy the, ass album. It's the 15th highest selling album of all time. Like that's a right. pop album up and down in my mind. But like it's a, it's a rock and a rap album. Too. Well, is like everything popular now the genre of pop? Because anything can get popular. I don't know. Not really. But I don't no, know what really qualifies as like, genre of pop. Like, I don't know. Like, like the success the of Linkin Park can't be considered in the genre. Okay. I think they make pop rock, so it's not. I think most people would agree. Probably, it's 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 somewhat pop. It's got like a little rapper comes on, they sing. <laughs> right. I think the rapper singing part makes it like you know further away. Is that it's like boogie pop? It's like supposed to be alternative pop. Sure. But it's mm-hmm. like. The most popular. Look, if it's rap, then I don't consider it pop. If it's rock, and then I don't consider it pop. Like there is a genre of pop, though. But it's like right. that's Lady Gaga and Katy Perry. I, I like that's I the genre. That. Melanie Martinez. I mean, like, like there Lady is Gaga's art genre. pop album is a huge influence on me as well. Okay, and okay. that is like as long as your influences for pop aren't just Third Eye Blind. Like that's, that's not a band that I listen to. Third Eye Blind. Cut my life into pieces. Right, that's not very poppy. That's poppy. What? I Papa Roach? That, I mean, Papa, poppy Roach. Roach. Papa Roach. That is probably the least like poppy Papa Roach? Roach song, in fairness, because every, but, see, like, every it's generation, popular, they just like, get pop even music. more of a pop he, band, so, Mike so, Posner makes pop music. He's a pop star. Justin well, Bieber's sure, a pop sure, star. Sure. They make pop music. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they like Drake's not a pop star. He's a rapper. Yes, he I is. He's a pop star. No, he's he not is. a pop star. Drake he's is just a, a really star. popular rapper. He has a song called Pop Star. Yeah, but the, the listen to he's the song. He's block hot. Well, because mm. like rap and country are on there too. Taylor are Swift's they? not pop. Well, Taylor Swift is pop. She is, she is now. I don't listen to recent Taylor Swift. She's big. But I remember pop. her making big waves by being a country music artist right. who was hitting pop Billboard charts. Back well, when yeah, she was a country singer, but she was making right. poppy country. It's well, pop. but it was sure, I, but it I, was country. I'm willing to keep Why do you want to make pop music? Pop music is dope and good and experimental. I mean, can, I, I just like, okay. want to. Conv- I'm just trying to convince people to listen to my fucking music by trying to make them think that it's not going to. So make them here's what you do, right? Well, but that's a different problem. We've got to like attack that vector. Like, you're a fan of a lot of artists who have done this. Clipping has poppy elements, but they're weird. They're very weird. But they brought people in right. by being poppy. I right? don't. I, I well, I don't know how to get Clipping's audience. That's the thing. Like, I just I, think it's not about clipping, getting their audience, not getting their sound. Not exactly, obviously, but like you know. Well, but no, but like, who who cares if we can make a perfect Clipping song, but nobody who listens to us likes Clipping? There's like, an audience for B's music right now. She just doesn't know where that right. is. I, that's my. I, that's the I'm biggest really problem. Stuck. When I call my music pop music, the main thing I'm trying to communicate is I think that this music should be as listenable as anything else you like. Right. There's no reason that you shouldn't be able to enjoy this because it's catchy. It will get stuck in your head. Like right. the worst element of my music in my mind is just that I can't sing that well. And like, particularly for the kind of sound that I tend to make, like if I was singing over screamo songs, I would be a very popular singer because I can sing screamo extremely well. Uh, I can't do pop songs that well. So like in my mind, some of these songs uh, I'm really trying to pitch to ghostwriters more than like, sure. I'm out here trying to tell people like, well, like then that's what you gotta be saying, there, you know? uh, like, hey, listen to this song and pretend I was a different singer. Right. Hey, that's what listen I to this song out. and tell me if you can sing it better. Like, that's what out. the marketing then needs to be for the music. I should find some singers who I can who would match these songs. I'm working on getting a, like, a singer for my music so that I can start that's like writing idea. words for her. Um... You know, even the good singers I know incorporate other good singers onto their albums. So yeah, I think that it does a disservice to you to call it pop because then you're comparing it to like Lady Gaga or something. Sure. I guess it does. Like put... subconsciously, it's like, oh, this is gonna be a Maroon Five song, and then it's not. Right. And you're like, okay, well, that's not what I expect. I see pop. how that. Yeah. I like. I have <laughs> such a fucking weird. Like, like when it comes to that type of marketing. Right. I do have a very ass backwards way of going about things where like 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 he said, is this a bit? You know, right. it's like I don't know. Kind I, of, yeah, I actually but, couldn't tell. But I I don't, it, like... it can be a bit because that's what Tyler the creator is like, right? It's like I can't fucking see yeah, Tyler makes pop though. Tyler can make pop. Well Tyler's Tyler's, Tyler's... not make 
Tyler he, is much more capable of pop. making Come pop, on. but that's because he loves chord progressions. And he, he does. I don't think trained. everything that like, is poppy is pop, though. I think sure. they're like... I think... Okay, come on, but he's made pop songs, though. He's made pop songs. There's a line where it's like, I could make a fucking... I could use Afrobeats to make a country song. And it, what, what do I call it? Like, that's I'm going to go ahead and say that if a song has like major swearing in it, it's probably not a pop song. Bet. If you have any last words, anything you want to promote? Uh, keep grinding. I respect y'all. I'm excited to see where y'all are Ooh. going with this content shit. Thanks, bro. I will. You. Uh, your advice was helpful, so I'll I'll listen to that. That was a cool ragdoll in episode two of Lone Ranger. I'm watching Lone Ranger right now. I was writing a little script, uh, kind of a teleplay format-wise, the other day, because I want to make my own short films. Something that I feel like people don't talk about enough is writing to a budget, writing to like the availability of actors, setting, and whatever else you'd need to account for, Wet the weather. I can't write a short film about a snowstorm if I can't go outside and film snow. For a long time in Hollywood, everybody had Western sets, and lots of Westerns were being made, so it became cheap and easy and formulaic to make Westerns. It also became a product that was known would hit with people, so you could make and sell them. I think right now superheroes have entered that in the last 10 years. That's fear that Westerns took up, and that sci-fi or space shows took up between the two. What I was writing quickly went from being uh, maybe set in the West to being a conversation set in the modern day. And, well, okay, I went with the 70s or 80s, but it has to be shot in a park near me in real life. Uh, ultimately, I've decided to scrap the project because I don't want to shoot it in a park. And the original idea was uh, changed too much in the adaption process. But for me to shoot it, I had to realize that I could only have three people in it because I only have three people I know who are good enough actors and who live here to be in something. Uh, and I had to change around the setting. Like I said, I had to change it to a park because the park was somewhere I realistically could shoot this conversation that built up the main part of the miniseries. Westerns, you know, you only have to shoot outside in the desert but that's deceptive. You have to shoot outside in the desert with good lighting, or you have to bring lighting. You have to make sure that the weather is not too hot or too cold for your actors or your equipment. And then you have to make sure that you can film the stuff that you've written. Some people can't jump off horses. Some people can't shoot blanks on a horse and not get thrown off a horse. The images I had in my mind, I cannot recreate. Like, with... It's, it's not so simple as point camera at angle and have person do thing. It's like, no, actually, cameras don't work that way. You know, like they perceive light and images in extremely specific ways. And like the depth of field is not gonna be what you think. If you just put the camera up in the corner and then have an actor come in and then you realize, oh, actually, there's not enough space in this corner for this actor's presence. This would have to be about six more feet back on a crane to get this shot. Uh, and then you realize that, like you said, movie making is impossible. Um, so like, it really is like, you have to even down to structuring your shots. Like, like you, you have to write the script around shots you can get. Don't assume that you can get an above shot because when it comes time to filming, the director is going to have to figure out what to do and whatever they're gonna have to figure out probably is going to look like shit. And that's why stuff ends up looking like shit in movies, is because they realize they can't do the script to the level they're supposed to be able to. It's a shame. And that's why my brother went to film school, and he learned how to do it all correctly. But he also won't... Like, Victor's mentality, the reason he won't usually work with me, is that I want to just, like, pull him aside and have him shoot whatever. And he's like... I'm not going to shoot an idea that like is like you, like you don't understand. You can't make the things you think you can make with just me and just the lights we have. So no, I won't. You know, like he wants to have a crew who knows what they're doing going into a project. 
which is fair. But yeah, that is definitely the hardest part of shooting a short script. The right. You're right. It's, it's, impo- it's impossible to film it. The funniest uh, one with like all of our really old like home movies is we would shoot them in the house, but our house is always just so full of stuff. There's no reason these stories need to take place in an anime house, you know? Like, it kind of is really distracting to viewers who aren't used to seeing it, because if you live in that house, you're just like, whatever, it's my house. If you're a viewer who, from the outside, is like, why the fuck is this house so dirty and full of Gundams, you know? Like, what is going on? Um, you know. The short script I was working on the other day started in a house, and I realized, I for the exact same reason you just yeah. said, I can't really film in here. Uh... I was going to use the other room back there, and then I just moved it to uh, outside the middle of nowhere, and I was like, oh, there's that, that's not here. Right. There's not a middle of the nowhere here. I'm from northern Nevada where there could be one. There's not right. one here in Virginia Beach, really. No. So I can't do cowboyism outside in the dirt. So no. I was like, okay, it's a seven people. I was like, guys, people in like the 40s in a park. And then I was like, well, the park if here doesn't want, look like that. The cars are new. Forest. I could get you some forest. could find forest. That's true. Yeah. But it's just like the the cars here are newer than the timepiece, so and I got to change that to like seventies, nineties, whatever right. it is outside in front of the park, <laughs> whatever whatever the car happens to be that day. Yeah. I guess that's when this takes place. Right. So then it's like the whole thing just gets so fucked up, and that you have to change all these different details, and then you're just not even writing the idea you had in the first place. So right. It's I I think you really just gotta like pick a location first. Like scope it out and then be like, what can this I? This is my reservoir this garage. Place? Yeah, like this is where we're doing the bank uh, heist movie. Just this garage, right? Fucking type shit. What's your name, man? I forget. I don't know your name. Bird Orari. Bird Orari. Bird Orari. That's my name. <laughs> yeah, you're the guy with the long hair in that corner in the middle of of pretty of freaking long. Right? I, I have pretty long hair. He's yes. in a different right. corner this time. I'll be honest. I haven't kept up with your content that much, so them come. Uh, so I apologize. Yeah, yeah, should Bird, listen to my yeah. album. Bird I, is uh, Bird's got a fucking incredible album, yeah. and uh, also yeah. he's my boyfriend and oh. and personal cook and right. uh, driver and dri- dri- Well, he's like a butler. I feel like I, I drive just as much as Ari. Does. I want you. That's your fault. <laughs> You I have I, I I have the compulsion to ask more about your relationship, but that probably would not Please end do. well. That sounds hilarious. Are you are <laughs> you are you? Uh, what was your name again, dude? I'm sorry. Bird. It's bird, bird like the animal. Bird. It's bird. Are, are you are are you are you by? I'm sorry. That's a weird. No, that's, that's per- okay. Okay. I'm not going to dig that further. I th- I feel like that'd be kind of well. No, what, dig further. What's further to dig though? I mean, like he's just yeah. straight. All right. I'm, you know what I mean? I am. I'm not. I'm, I'm He's dating a girl. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll. I guess. I think I can sense the question you want to ask. Yeah, and I'm so, trying. I, I mean, this no. Ask me. the question. I guess the. <laughs> I, I had to listen to you talk <laughs> about video game YouTubers. Fuck it. You know what? I. I. I feel okay. I feel. The... God damn it! I don't. I... Let's go. <laughs> Let's We're recording go, this. I feel. Let's go. Yeah, it's not oh, gonna be all right. less recorded. Um, all right, saying it. Oh god. So, uh... senpai, other people in the chat are like, "Please do it." We're all we all want you. So you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna say my thing. I feel. I. I. I feel. I. 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 I the, the situation I'm imagining of a of a, of a straight dude. Did you sex or no? Yes, we have I, sex. Yes, that is that. Just to clarify that. Yes. Okay. That's okay. Just to be asking you that's about like your, a baby about mode your, version of the question okay, I was in. I'll be honest. This would uh, what I want to ask involves asking <laughs> if you post op or pre op, and I don't. Then I think that's a way too personal and appropriate question. Well, it just doesn't have anything to do with the sexuality. I. Well, okay. You're all complicating this. So I, uh, I'm on hormones. I've only been on them for like five weeks, six weeks. So I have to be on hormones for like two years before I can have the operation done. So like, I'm not even close to being post-op. Um, but you know, uh, I don't know what that has to do with whether birds straight. I fuck it. I don't know what his question is. I'm 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 presuming you still got your bits. I find I just I I I, this is like a new thing. 
Okay, but what's what's not straight? I feel like it'd be weird as like as like as like as me as a straight dude to get past dating a trans woman who has not gone through genital reconstruction surgery. I'm gonna fucking say it. I think it's kind of gay for you to not. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Well, well, he's pretty straight to have sex with women, no matter how many what kind of penis. You know what? I just realized something. App aversion. I've been I've been conditioned. I've been like taught the like that like uh like aversion to like male features to like to like male genitalia is okay if he's natural being like averted averting like me like me averting uh like like a, like seeing a dick is a train thing apathy is a natural feeling that it's like <laughs> i will i will say for the record <laughs> I, i'm sorry this it, it, is <laughs> no i'm having a blast now i just always wear underwear Okay. So that's that should that's answer all questions, right? Yeah. Wait, I just yeah, always right. wear underwear. Alright, alright. You know what? Sorry. Alright. Okay. So um yeah. <laughs> if I can back up but yeah. Look, 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 okay. one of my heroes, Onision, once said, if my husband had a cock, I'd suck it. I, and I thought what? that was inspirational. You know what? <laughs> that sexual, was loving. Yeah. Sexual it preference was. sexual actually just a weird fit or weird. I like my like 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 apparently fucking fuck, oh, goddamn. I'm browsing Reddit as I do this. I saw a fucking <laughs> vice headline that. that says "All masculinity is toxic on on our cringetopia." Uh-huh. What what has happened to fucking vice? All right, so I was gonna say <laughs> sexuality is a weird thing. Uh, people, what you what you find uh like not attractive or like not arousing versus like like like. Not dis- not disgusting, not repulsive. What's a synonym that's less severe than like disgusting or re- disgusting or repulsive? Unattractive. No, unattractive. Yeah, it, it like it like repels you, but it's not like repulsive. Too strong. Unattractive is like is is, is more so tied. Yeah, a turn off. Thank you, thank you. So like stuff that's a turn off is like learned more so. Like I feel like I see what you're my, saying. Like me not being like. My apathy to seeing a naked dude and not being aroused by him—that's a natural thing. But me, like, you like seen trying to, yes, yeah, so, but trying to avert my eyes from it, from like from a dude right. is a taught thing. That's like a so, that's like a social thing that's like instilled in me yeah. as a man. For, I as, don't know. I was born not looking at dicks. Oh, okay, but like long story short, I don't short, like penis. Yeah. I mean, I don't like it either, but I'm not like this. I don't think I'm like fully disgusted by it. I just, it just oh, doesn't around me. Look, man, it just, it, it's just flat. Okay, you know what? I think I'm digging myself a hole here. I <laughs> should realize that before I ask this entire question. You're fine. I think we've arrived at a hilarious place. Uh, well, we've been, we've had you on the line for like 40 minutes. So, uh, do, you, right. do you have any parting thoughts uh, before we let you go? Uh, Learning from, uh, what I've learned from Rooster Teeth and like is that people move in and out of your life. Not all not all relationships last forever. Sometimes you move on naturally, and sometimes people people's issues bubble up, and you just and you have falling outs. It's part of life, but some, but you look for the people who still love you and who still want to be with you, and you find new people. And I guess that's like that's the optimistic take I I've, I'm, I'm I'm taking away from like from following Rooster Teeth for, for this for like about like five years and seeing the shit that's happened. Cool. Sounds like oh. a we also take, right? also watch Red learn? versus Blue. It's good, good. It's characters and AI. It's real. It's real fucking dope. Y'all Perfect. have a great night. It's perfectly straight. If your girlfriend has man parts, yeah. we're in a postmodernist society. Gender's a social construct. I'm agender. You know, I'm I'm post-sexual. I don't have sex anymore. Welcome to my kitchen. In this bag, I have a skirt steak that I've cut up into small pieces that you would find in a typical carne asada fry. Also in this bag, I have soy sauce, sunflower avocado oil, about a whole head of garlic, pepper, salt, and chipotle. I'm about to deep fry some fries. And I'm getting these seasoned, marinated, before I pan fry them, is the word I'm looking for. Thanks for joining us in What You Cooking. I don't know. I think we need to... There can be a distinction between, like, the Void Gazer segment, What You're Cooking, and, like, the show, What You're Cooking, which we want you to have at some point. Mm-hmm. 
Because you're the Josh Denny of our group. You're like, you know, we got to get you on the food network. Big oil sounds. They're scary. Set your pan to medium-high heat for your meat. You always want your meat to be warm. You don't want any cold meat. What do you want on your fries? Carne asada. Okay. <laughs> no, I, you know, pretend it's Roberto's. That's what I told Mint. Okay. I just want carne asada fries because I can't have them anymore. We moved away from where they sell my carne asada fry burritos, and now I'm fucking like, wow, everything is sucking bad. And I got finally a carne asada fry place I like here, but they won't put it in a burrito big enough to fucking like give me the full serving of carne asada fries like Roberto's used to. You know what I mean? Like they give you a smaller portion in the burrito, even though it's fucking the same goddamn price. It's bullshit. Fuck you. Get bigger tortillas, idiot. Call them out. What's their name? I don't fucking remember. Because I don't give bad reviews. I just fucking forget where I got the food at and don't buy food locally anymore because they don't have the food I want. Now I just buy ingredients for Bird to cook for me. You should all look into getting your own driver to cook. Being a chef is easy. I found out we had more oil so I can cover these for real. At least slightly more. Cool. Can you start a grease fire? I could, I don't want to. They're scary, man. What? I don't know, the fire's out, the, the gas is out, but the fire's still going. Uh, that one you can pour water on, right? That's not, I would hope. I would just blow really hard on it. That should go out shortly. I'm sorry, baby. I just... I helped by Snapchatting. I just... I'm trying to get smoke inhalation poison. Good job, bird. What are you cooking? What you cooking? What you cooking, bird? I was making mashed potatoes, but I lit the wrong burner. <laughs> Alright, Bird was making mashed potatoes and lit the wrong burner. So, now we have smoke and fire alarm. It's really funny. Thought I'd film this part. So I, uh, I was trying to make mashed potatoes. I lit the wrong burner. There was some oil left over in the pan. It's set on fire. The wood cover caught on fire. The fire alarm, which in Virginia sounds like went off, which I was not used to. Nor I've never heard a fire alarm like this that's before. Just, it hurt. That's just bees firehouse. Yeah. I don't think it's in Virginia. <laughs> I did that, what, probably the first month we were here? <clears throat> what? I said a grease fire like the first month we were here. So today we're making carne asada fries. For the flank steak, I made a marinade using sunflower avocado oil, chipotle, like powdered chipotle, pepper, salt, a tiny bit of MSG, a very small amount of soy sauce, and garlic, a lot of garlic. Garlic's good. You should use garlic in everything you cook. We're also frying some fries, and for that, we're using oil and fries. It tastes great. Is it gonna taste great? Yeah, it's nice. Thank you, bird. Be sure to make a lot. I'm making as much as I can. Oh, is this all the meat? Yeah. Mint salad may be slacking on the meat. Mint salad do be slacking on the meat. She'd just be getting meat, but not just enough one, meat. It was just one. There's one meat. One meat. We need more meat units in the future. Thank you for your service. Defend yourself. Bitch. I don't need to. I already know what I did wrong. What? I let them burn. They're completely burnt. Let them. No, I mean, I'm probably just used to fucking not cooked food. I get it. Like, Roberta sometimes does undercooked food. I get it. Like, I get. That's the problem with me eating, too, right? Like, I, don't, I don't want good food. I want the food I like. And I know that that's not necessarily the same thing. 
Like, the best version of this meal probably has way more cheese than it needs. And uh, lots of sour cream on top. And I know that. Do we have sour cream? Yeah, I got oh. everything. No, maybe Man, I didn't. You have to do the sour cream stuff. I'm not touching that. Probably didn't get sour cream. I have this queso that you wanted me to get. It's not for this. That's for chips. Oh, oh Josh Weissman is making queso, so I'll have a queso recipe soon. Oh, perfect. A little bit of anime analysis for you here on Void Gazers. Ever since coming out as trans, I've been reflecting on all the stuff that I used to be obsessed with when I was growing up. The earliest things I remember being a fan of were all Inhuman characters. Um, stuff like Barney the Dinosaur, Winnie the Pooh, Power Rangers, and Beast Wars were like the first shows I got into as a kid. Power Rangers are obviously human characters, but they transform into, you know, suits and they, they go up and fight in giant robots and everything, which was the most exciting part of the show to me. The Blue Ranger, specifically because he wore glasses and I wore glasses as a kid. So that was the first time that I was ever like projecting onto a human character in a show. And the result of that was that my favorite color became blue. I didn't really make any distinctions between them on the basis of their identities. They were all just, you know, the characters that I like in this show. Um, Billy is the one with glasses, so he's the one who I'm projecting onto. But otherwise, in any of the shows I watched as a kid, I never picked out people like categorically based on any kind of identifiers because I just don't think that I don't think that I had any conception of there being a normal way for a person to be because I only really was exposed to people primarily through TV. When I was in kindergarten, um, I've, I've mentioned this story before, I sat next to a girl who accosted me that I was a girl. She was just like, you are a girl. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she was like, yes, you are. <laughs> and I was so confused about it. And that really put me on the back foot for pretty much the rest of my life socially because of the fact that I had never up to that point thought about like, what was the difference between a boy and a girl? The reason I was being told I was a girl is that I had long hair, and 13 or younger, I do look like a little girl. I can't deny this, looking at the pictures as an adult, but as a kid, I would have been offended if somebody told me that, only because of the fact that I thought it was categorically incorrect. I just didn't think there was any way that it would make sense for me to be a girl. and. My mom had raised me to just be the way I am, whatever I happen to like to be like. So that was how I had been up until that point. I had never tried to change my behavior to, you know, change the way that people looked at me. I'd never had to, and I would not learn to for a very long time. So it, like, I did not change my behavior. Um, I did not, like, try to get into stuff for boys. Rather, my parents tried to get me into stuff for boys and mostly failed. I played baseball for, like I played t-ball in kindergarten and then baseball in first and second grade and just sat in the outfield and picked grass and didn't care. Like, I wasn't interested in sports, which is what my dad was, my dad, you know, grew up a very sports heavy lifestyle. So like his mentality is like, all right, got a son, we're going to fucking play sports as soon as they're old enough, you know, and it just didn't eventuate like that at all. So, but I kept doing it because I didn't want to admit that like I didn't want to do it. Um, I just thought I would let my parents down or something if I gave up for some reason, even though it was should have been very obvious I didn't want to do it, but whatever. That That's the case for everything I would do throughout my life. Should have been very obvious I didn't want to do it, but I would always insist that I wanted to because I didn't want to let people down, even though they're telling me like, oh, we, you won't let us down, you know, but I'm just like, hmm, I don't believe you, you know, like. So I spent four years completely obsessed with Pokemon. The number of non-binary people who gravitate towards Pokemon and trans people is fascinating. And I think a lot of it is that 
that escape into identity expressions beyond the physical or like beyond yourself that like you can express yourself through what Pokemon you have. Be also why like trans people tend to be very drawn to fashion as a means of expression that like there's a there's a sort of trans to e-girl pipeline on the internet. Oh, I identify as a woman and now that I look good in women's clothes, I'm going to take pictures of myself constantly. Physically embody expressions that you could only do through more abstract forms um, before you were, you know, able to connect with yourself, I guess. I think that's how I feel anyway. I got into anime because of the fact that my cousin got into anime. My cousin Boyd, who I was, uh, you know, very close with in my childhood. And we watched Ninja Scroll. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. He got an anime invasion magazine. Now for me, it wasn't that I was so into Ninja Scroll, or that I was even so into the anime that started playing on Adult Swim, like Cowboy Bebop, Yu Yu Hakusho. I was into magazines. When I was a kid, I wanted to make magazines more than anything else. Um, I drew, hand drew, hand wrote a magazine when I was like 10, based on my obsession with Nintendo Power magazines, Beckett Pokemon Collector, and stuff like that, which is also why I ended up writing reviews and analytical type content and columnist type content and you know like the stuff I do is kind of like easing content if you really look at the root of where I'm getting it from at least. <sighs> Man like it's weird to decompress that and realize I've never explained that before and be like wow I've never put it forward that my content is based on the fact that I was obsessed with magazines as a kid but uh uh, aside from, you know, writing analytical content. But anyway, what actually got me into anime to the extent that I became an obsessive anime fan was probably Inuyasha, Naruto, and Veroni Kenshin, and King of Bandits Jing. Some, some miasma of that. Because Inuyasha came out before... Like it was, it was like the the first new show that was added to the Adult Swim cartoon uh, the anime lineup, and um, I was immediately in love with it because Inuyasha is a long-haired boy, but his personality is nothing like mine. So I did not relate to him on that level. I related more easily to Kagome, who's just kind of normal and reasonable. Inuyasha is like a brash, hard-headed asshole. So like. Also, Sashomaru, easier to look up to because he's like a cool, collected type, but still like a ruthless badass, not really my speed. So I more saw Inuyasha as like a cool character than like one that I could relate to personally. But uh, Veroni Kenshin, on the other hand, is much more like he's a guy who gets mistaken for a woman just because of his demeanor and appearance you know just being particularly the way he is now granted in kenshin's case this is partially an act because of the fact that he was a ruthless fucking badass as a kid and uh is trying to you know play the role of cool uh chilled out person or whatever i wasn't like a chill kid or anything necessarily just not um, not hot-headed or anything like that. I mean, Naruto would be a character who actually had a personality more like mine and was my age at the time that that manga came out. Um, but really it was Haku in Naruto, the, you know, the kid who, the, the boy who looks like a girl, of course, who everybody mistakes for a girl, um, who fucking gets his heart torn out protecting Zabuza. That was my favorite character. When I look at my, you know, introduction to anime through like, what was I connecting to? It's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm seeing these characters who are, you know, it's okay for them to be boys who look like girls in these shows. They can still be badasses. I just tunneled into anime in such a massive way because like, is a, you know, a thing to get into, a fun thing to explore. And probably my first couple of years as an anime fan, we're just like anyone else's. Like, the average span of an anime fan's life is about two years. People get into it for two years, they figure out what it is that they're getting out of it, and then they leave when they realize that they're, like, anime is always changing. You know, it's a medium that is 
that evolves to suit like the tastes of the times. And so if you get into it at a time where your taste really aligns with it, and then like you get whatever you need out of it, and then it changes, and then there's not anything there for you anymore, then you know there's no reason to stick with it. When I had gotten into anime through Adult Swim, most of the shows I followed eventually ended, and the new shows that replaced them I wasn't as able to keep up with. I wasn't into Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex when that first started because it was like two above my head. You know, I kind of liked Fullmetal Alchemist, another long-haired boy kind of show, but I think by the time I was that age, I was more having like complicated feelings about girl characters in shows where I'm simultaneously sexually attracted to them but also like I wish I was Ranma so I could just transform between both you know um and that was like what I started saying around when I was 13 or 14 um when people would ask me what anime power would you want you know and I said this famously in a Crunchyroll video that caused people to speculate that I was a trans egg they were right. At the at the time, I actually got out of anime. Like, through the cycle of shows changing, I didn't live near my cousin anymore, so I couldn't, he had an allowance that allowed him to regularly buy anime. I didn't, I got big into playing JRPGs and video games. Would have probably done what most anime fans do, get out of it and go become a gamer like anybody else. But in my teens, when I went through puberty, I started experiencing gender dysphoria and this is when I returned to anime in a big way, because it started with reading Megatokyo. The, like, one of the things that drew me to Megatokyo in the beginning is that the main character, Piro, is a guy who plays as girl characters in his video games. And he's obsessed with, like, visual novels and really girly type games, you know? So that was an intriguing factor to me. I read that whole webcomic again, got into the forums, found out about subtitled anime, that like people were subbing it as it comes out. The first shows that I saw subtitled as they were coming out were Hidamari Sketch and Manabi Straight, and both of them were being subbed very slowly, so I only saw like the first couple episodes. I mean, I guess this would be after Haruhi. I did watch that um, like in a marathon and was absolutely in love with it, but like... Watching Evangelion and Haruhi um, both were in the interim between me being an anime fan and being an anime fan again. Like the two years where I was just into music and games. Um, I just happened to see each of those shows and each one had a huge impact on me, but didn't get me back into anime. It was like seeing Hidamari's sketch and Manabe Straight, which were shows about high school girls my age being in high school and hanging out with each other and like having interactions that are just delightful, you know? And it was just a type of friendship I'd never had in my life because I'd only ever hung out with boys and I'd never, never learned how to talk to girls, never knew how girls communicated. So it wasn't until I saw it being replicated in front of me that I was like, oh, is this what girls are like? Is this what it's like when girls hang out? I wish I could hang out with girls, you know? But my interpretation of how this would amount to is like, well, I could have a girlfriend to watch Hidamari Sketch with, you know? Like, that was what I considered the highest thing I would be able to reach because I didn't have any concept of being able to be a woman. Like, or that I just... that that in any way I could just have been one or to have said that I had always been one you know it like psychologically the barriers I had put up within myself in order for people to not call me a girl you know like especially once I finally got into you know once I was in high school then like I no longer look like a girl I look like a grizzly dude I was extremely avoidant because I didn't want people looking at me I was super dissociated almost all of the time and when I did actually hang out with people I still had the same personality I had when I was younger but it's just like something unexpected coming from me you know and like I projected a lot of insecurity as well so like I just don't think that it was something that people I don't think people would have looked at me and thought oh you act like a girl because I wasn't I was acting like nobody you know I was acting like somebody who doesn't want to be a participant in society at all. My obsession with watching shows about girls 
extended specifically to the fact that they would be written by women. That, like, Hidamari's sketch is written by Ume Aoki. She is just a lesbian. Like, the reason she's writing a story about a bunch of cute girls hanging out with Yuri undertones is that that's her life, you know? Like, so... I mean, obviously, it's not literally her life, but, like, it's a it's a fabrication of, like, what it would be like to be, um, you know, Ume Aoki in her own fantastical setting of getting to hang out with cute girls and all throughout high school. We're both thinking it on the same exact... Like, we have the same reasons to have wanted to this story to exist, you know? The only difference is that I was assigned male at birth. That's not a phrase that existed until... Well, at least not one that I had heard until I was in my 20s. Like, it wasn't in the popular consciousness. And even when it was finally there, I had lived as a man for so long that I'd just gotten used to it. And I thought, well, like, I've been able to survive. You know, like, I tried to kill myself before. I've, you know, been to, through therapy. I've been through antidepressants. And the, the, the rock bottom that I hit was a level of, well, I really want to do something creative that is meaningful with my life, you know, so, like, I don't want to die because I want to do that. At some point, I realized, like, oh, you don't have to live at a low standard. Like, once I became aware of the idea that, like, oh, there is something you can do about this problem of you not wanting your physical self to exist in any way, you know, like... There's a solution to that. It might not be a perfect solution. It's not going to like live up to your ultimate imagination of a perfect body and a perfect life and a perfect identity. But at the very least, you'll be happier, closer, uh, living living more close to the way that the the you know the media that I consume would indicate that I wanted for myself. And I'm not even talking about Heat of My Sketch because that was in high school, you know? I'm, I, I have not rewatched that show in a long time. I think because I got what I needed out of it at the time, I felt exactly the same way Yuno did in the first season. And, like, I can't replicate the level of personal connection I felt with that show ever again. That's why I haven't written about it other than to say, like, uh, like, oh, you know, Slice of Life shows are kind of like uh, podcasts, it's like hanging out with friends, you know, like, that's the appeal. The kinds of stories I'd be interested in now have less to do with even, like, trying to find an aspect of myself in them. What I'd rather do is put aspects of myself into work for other people to connect with and, you know, I think reveal, like, I think the the anime and and novels that I create reveal something deeper than what I can do by talking about other people's stuff. I can't really show you what what all, what looking at all of it combined has done to me. You know what I mean? Like I can show you the patterns that I recognize and you can hear you can hear in my voice that I am a certain way, but it doesn't tell you what that certain way is, if that makes sense, in a way that like Kusomega to some degree, like, Kusumega is kind of a narrow lens on just focusing on me as a creator specifically of fiction. It is about my journey as a fiction writer, filled in with all kinds of stuff that I'm interested in to, to give it color and detail. The thematic core of it is the death and rebirth of myself as a author. How, what kind of conflicts um, have I uniquely encountered that I could represent fictionally that might, you know, resonate with someone or inform them about something that they didn't even know about? You know, like, that's the kind of stuff that creativity really exists for, to me, is for us to, like, send codes to each other about the shit we've learned about the world. I think I got really lost in anime for a long time because of the fact that I hadn't taken the step to transition out of the thing that was holding me into it. Like, I started with Moe shows, and for a long time, I didn't watch stuff that was actually for girls. I only watched stuff that was, like, you know, 
idealized and cutesy because that was like staying in my lane in my mind like I felt that even if I wanted to be a woman or wanted to relate to women I didn't deserve to or wasn't allowed to because I was not born that way and what would make what would make it so that I could say that I am this other thing as though it is like some kind of title to be bestowed upon you some great lifting up to be a woman like it, I, 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 unironically, the, uh, the, the don't put the pussy on a pedestal speech from four-year-old virgin, I think helped me tremendously. If I'm not obsessed with women because of the fact that I want to have sex with them so badly that I'm, you know, putting the pussy on a pedestal, so to speak, what is the reason? And that, you know, allowed me to sort of look deeper into myself and, like, as time went on, continue to have this sort of fixation on more and more getting into stuff that is for girls being like oh okay i never tried like what like i remember the first time i tried watching princess tutu i was like literally afraid because i was like oh it's, it's it's pink and girly like but i was like enjoying it and i'm like no and then i came back and watched it a little bit later like um i was like no this is literally great you know like it doesn't matter that like who this is necessarily aimed at or whatever like it's just well written and that was kind of what broke me into being the kind of analyst that I am. And like, people would consider this being objective, but I really don't see it that way. Cause like, I don't think, I don't think just because Tutu is good means everybody would enjoy it or that, or that they should, you know? I think that it it's not that it's, f it's not that it like, um, should only appeal to girls or anything like that. It's about ballet. It's about, um, theater. It's about the music. It's about the crazy fucking um, Chiaki Kanaka stuff that starts coming up later in the series. Like, if those things interest you, it's a good, it's a good show. It's not that everybody has to acknowledge it as one because of those things. But like, I appreciated it on the level of Ahiru is a likable, relatable character who I want to watch you know, coach these other characters through life because it's interesting, you know, like very just raw enjoyment level. And that's what got me to start looking at magical girl shows, which I ended up being a fan of, like particularly through Heartcatch Precure. It was just the more that I realized that these anime that were about, like that a lot of people would consider to be like lollicon stuff, like a, like a fucking, what's it called? Kodomo no Jikan or Chubra were stuff written by girls, were stuff that was like sexually promiscuous because of the fact that girls just grow up in a sexual world that, you know, leaves you with a lot to deal with and a lot of hang-ups to overcome about it. A lot of my interest in Lolly when I discovered it was through the fact that mostly girls were drawing Lolly. And that fascinated me because it said to me that they were, it said to me that the purpose of it is to work through something, you know? And to me, it was to work through the fact that I had not gotten to experience life as a, as a little girl, you know? I just never gotten to be that. So, you know, I can look at this and project onto it. And it's not as though I was ever exclusively into Lolly anyways. Like I've always just been into cute anime girls of any type. But to me, it's sort of like projecting different parts of my life into the characters, like getting to, you know, make up for something that I, you know, feel like I missed out on in the back of my mind because I didn't get to have enough experiences growing up. And I feel pretty caught up at this point. Like, I don't really look at pornography anymore because I'm not really like trying to escape into anything. I'm satisfied with how things actually are. You know, I'm satisfied with my actual body and my actual sex life and I don't need to like project something which is new because I've never been performing as a woman, you know, until recently. So like ultimately what I'm trying to say is that I'm at a point in my life where I'm not relying on anime. I like anime. I like anime because of the fact that I have a long history with it. It's really not much more complicated than that. Like, it's, I don't feel the need to justify anime as like a, a categorical, like, oh, this has to exist. Um, like, it's, it's so deep and meaningful that there's a reason to be into it above other stuff. Like, by all means, I would say 
you shouldn't get into anime, like, watching or producing it, um, unless you are extremely passionate about it, specifically. And I, and I say anime in the broadest terms, meaning animation, because it's hard to do, because of the fact that it's hard to live and do. Like, it's, it's hard to do at a rate or level that you can make enough money to live a even halfway decent life. So, you know, that is the, the main reason that it's difficult to get into actually making animation. And unless you're doing it independently and you have a really fucking appealing art style, aka you do porn. And as a fan, it's like you are going to be associated automatically with, um, with you know, a group of people that is largely comprised of other lost souls not sure why they are still here. If people are couching some aspect of their identity in anime or anything, it's because they haven't quite come to terms with themselves, you know? Like, I don't identify myself at this point by the fact that I like anime. If you ask me for a list of things that I commonly do, watch anime will be on that list, mostly because of the fact that I do the Canten show. Um, like, I watch a lot of anime for that show. There are other shows that I watch just for fun or just to have something to talk about or do, but like, you know, my need to watch it was out of the need to find things that I could project onto so that I could get a firmer sense of my identity. And now that I have a firm sense of my identity, I can just watch stuff to enjoy it and because it's fun and there's no rush, there's no need to be the, the you know, see everything, go so in-depth. It's just funny to think that it took me so long, it took me so fucking long to figure out why I liked anime. Because I made videos talking about how, like, I don't know why I like anime. There was one vlog that I had that was, like, 30 minutes long of me going around my room, picking up each of my favorite anime, and, like, explaining why I like that anime, but never being able to make a connection between all of it and figure out what was at the heart of it. There is sort of a heart of it. I consider it to be um, matriarchy, essentially. The blog post that probably had the most influence on me is uh, one that Ghost Lightning wrote about Summer Wars, where he talked about how what made that movie so great is the scene where the grandma, like, finds out that there's this problem uh, on the internet. She doesn't really understand it, but she takes it very seriously, and so she phones up all these people in her Rolodex, and that night she ends up dying. The next day, as the situation begins unraveling and the world is ending, all these people start showing up with all these means to deal with the situation because of the fact that she had called them all. So it was ultimately the fact that this woman is so well connected because she's been the head of this family for so long and knows so many people and knows how to be like a good leader that she, you know, even in death was able to basically save this situation. And he related this to his own wife's mother who um you know had worked with uh, the government and so had a lot of connections similarly and this post made me think like oh that's the coolest thing ever like that's the coolest thing you could possibly have in life is the kind of connections where you make a few phone calls and save the world even if you die you know um that's where i want to be at when i'm old so like when i look at my favorite shows, it's stuff like Shirobako, which is about the community management of the studio, the living organism of a studio, mostly seen through the eyes of these 20-something girls who are getting into it. Ultimately, the one who I want to be is their representation of Studio Madhouse uh, head slash, um, I don't remember the name of his current studio, Masao Maruyama. Um, the way he's presented in the show as studio head is like where I'm trying to head in life, you know? 
Log Horizon is a another show about like this this type of community management. You know, Shiroe is a relatable character to me, but really it's the duality of him and um, I think Kanami is her name, the girl that inspired him to go on his journey because she's the personality that I have on the inside, and Shiroe is the analytical fabrication that I created to protect myself. So like. It's really fun for me to watch that interplay of those characters, how they both kind of have their own conception of one another that they call to um, in times of need. I'm not going to get into every single anime I love. Motoko Kusanagi's post-humanism, her, you know, continual... Really, I think the most appealing thing to me about Motoko is that she always looks the same, that she chooses to keep having the same body that is what she sees as a graduation of her former self. And even when she gets over that, like, she just kind of makes other similar versions, you know? Like, she starts making other bodies that are, like, whatever. Like, just the fact that she basically becomes the ultimate fucking internet space wizard but still maintains the, you know, that spark of original uh, personality that she had. Most admirable anime character, if you ask me. This is probably the only anime analysis I ever really needed to do, um, but it took me 15 years of anime writing to do it, so um, glad to be done. Cats would be a lot cooler if they could fly, don't you think? They can already land safely from some pretty high up distances, but what if they could fly too? It'd also be pretty terrifying. Like, imagine a, a tiger with wings or something. I don't know. It'd be cool, but also very scary. Jumbo cats are going to kick out of it. 